Alan and all the sound folks and running around in the rain this morning, having things set up, then taking them down and running them back out again. Great job pulling this uh, together with the fun little curveballs that we had today. Good to see you all. I see you. Don't, don't stare. That I hear you. Good to see you. Those are all good, good honks of greeting and passing of the peace uh, to uh, one another. Thanks again for being with us and for those that are um, on online. Um, now let's uh, um, jump into our, our passage in 2 Thessalonians uh, chapter 2. That's uh, where we'll be. It should be, if you were handed out a little order with lyrics, you should have the um, passage with you. Um, also there, um, you know, the, these times, uh, uh, with all that's going on, it's an easy time uh, to actually be fooled, you know, an easy time to be deceived. Uh, I'm, uh, uh, really a neophyte on like Facebook and uh, some of the social media stuff. And so just like two weeks ago, week and a half ago, I was online and there was this post that was just ridiculous. Um, and I was like shocked, um, to, to see that somebody had posted. I didn't know the person that posted it. That should have been the first clue, um, to me. And then I started reading it and what it, what it said. And then I was busy for 10, 15 minutes, you know, posting this, uh, um, uh, response. And then I went to, about to hit send and looked again at some of the responses and somebody who is a much more experienced Faceburker, uh, said, um, it, you know, this, this is a troll. This is not uh, someone who has anything that they're trying to share that has meaning. It's actually just trying to incite um, uh, the kind of reaction they got from you. And I was then took a breath, looked a little more deeply at what the statements were and where they were coming from and saw that it was just made up, that I had been fooled in that uh, um, interaction and thankfully was saved by uh, someone m- much more experienced than than I. And it's in these kind of times that we have such deception that it's easy to be fooled and to be ca- called in and, and drawn in um, to, uh, to, to things that are meaningless and don't matter. The, the same thing is going on in Thessalonica. Uh, that that's what Paul is speaking to the, the church in this part of his second letter that he, that he's writing to the church that he started um, with Timothy and Silvanus. He he's telling them that you've you've been deceived. Um, it's a it's a season because they were facing such persecution. They were facing such opposition. They had been deceived, and so in um, the letter he wants to address and teach them and teach us. In times that are controversial, in times that are challenging, in times that um, uh, can uh, cause such emotional reactions and responses, it becomes a time that we're easily deceived. Um, so if you'll turn with me to Second Thessalonians uh, chapter 2, we'll, uh, we'll read that. It's, uh, it's about the first 12 verses, and we'll read the whole thing to sort of get a sense of it, and we'll... We'll tease out of that. What are the points that Paul is telling the church then and telling us about these seasons when it's so easy to be fooled or to be caught into a, a scam? Um, 
Now, concerning the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ and our being gathered together to him, we ask you, brothers, not to be quickly shaken in mind or alarmed, either by a spirit or a spoken word or a letter seeming to be from us to the effect that the day of the Lord has come. Let no one deceive you in any way. For that day will not come unless the rebellion comes first and the man of lawlessness is revealed, the son of destruction, who opposes and exalts himself against every so-called God or object of worship so that he takes his seat in the temple of God, proclaiming himself to be God. So the false teaching that Jesus has already come. And so the folks in Thessalonica are thinking maybe they got left behind. Jesus came and they missed it. And, and Paul is correcting that um, deception. Uh, verse 5. Do you not remember that when I was still with you, I told you these things? And you know what is restraining him now so that he may be revealed in his time. For the mystery of lawlessness is already at work. Only he who now restrains it will do so until he is out of the way. And then the lawless one will be revealed whom the Lord Jesus will kill with the breath of his mouth and bring to nothing by the appearance of his coming. The coming of the lawless one is by the activity of Satan with all power and false signs and wonders and with all wicked deception for those who are perishing because they refuse to love the truth and so be saved. Therefore, God sends them a strong delusion so that they may believe what is false in order that all may be condemned who did not believe the truth but had pleasure in unrighteousness. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. So the the first thing in in the passage here that... um, uh, we, we see is that the Christians in Thessalonica were easily deceived because they were in a place of real emotional agitation. Um, they were in a place where they were alarmed. They were confused. Um, at the, the very beginning, Paul, Paul tells them, don't, um, don't get quickly shaken in mind or alarmed. We are more easily deceived when we are confused, when we are emotionally alarmed, when we're scared, when we're confused, then then we're more susceptible to the work of the deceiver in our lives and to those around us even that would want to deceive us. Um, My my mother-in-law tells uh, the story, this is a few years ago now, and it was late one one night, she's an early to bed kind of uh, person and uh, so it was like uh, 10 11 o'clock at night and a phone rang and she was startled by that she went to answer it and when she did though on the um, on the line the person said you know grandma um I, i'm i'm in jail i need a little help and you know, in the midst of her fear and grogginess and confusion grandma then said jeff is that you uh, to which the person on the other line said, yes, uh, this is this is Jeff, Grandma, and you know, don't need to call Mom and Dad. I don't want to bother them. I just need some money to get out. And the story went on. And in her confusion and in her state of being startled, she started to 
ask some questions and get the information where she needed to send the money. And then as things settled, then she called just or texted her uh, son, Jeff's father, and said, where's Jeff? And then found the real story and hung up. How easily we can be deceived when we can be in that place of confusion, that place of being alarmed. And note what Paul tells them in verse 5. In your state of being alarmed, your state of being confused, don't you remember what we taught you? That's what he calls them back to. Remember what we taught you. Remember what you do know is the truth. In any time of confusion, any time of uncertainty, any time of being scared, go back to the word of God. Go back to the revelation that God has given to us. Remember what we have been taught. And so the challenge for you and for me, for all of us, is to regularly be in the Scriptures. That is where we, we find out about the truth. That is where we find the character of God. That is where we know the character of Jesus. And so you need to be regularly reading the Bible, regularly going to that word of truth. That's why we have hope groups, why we have groups that gather together to talk together. What does the Bible teach us? What does it teach us? What does it mean in our lives? But in those times, being confused, we're easily deceived. He goes on to say, we're also easily deceived when we don't know that someone is trying to deceive us. If we, we, uh, for, for example, um, many of you or some of you, uh, well, all of you should have received an email from me a while back that was really from me saying that someone has scoured our website and got some of the emails of the folks in the church and is now sending out fraudulent emails to, to scam you. And they'll, they'll say that, uh, that they'll act like it's from me. And then they'll uh, say, but that I'm in a meeting, and, but I need your help. So email is me as soon as you can. And once you do that, then they'll respond and say, oh, I need gift cards uh, in order to give them to people who are poor or sick or, or in need, whatever the, the story um, might be. And um, uh, Jennifer Cronk, uh, uh, who's uh, the assistant pastor of uh, children and families, when she was here just a few months, you know, she got one of those emails, yeah, and she was like, just responded, figuring it was from me, and then went back and forth a little bit, and then realized, this just doesn't make sense, and she went and checked it out as well. Um, But many others have been caught, not in from me, but from um, uh, uh, other situations, have been caught in that, and sent, you know, hundreds of dollars of gift cards to someone who they thought was trustworthy and honest. They didn't know they were trying to deceive them. Found out actually, talking to some neighbors, that the same thing has happened at St. Clair. That Father George's email has now, that somebody's got his name and got email and and, uh, numbers from folks at um, uh, St. Clair and is doing the same thing. But what's important here is that if you don't think someone's trying to deceive you, if we don't realize that the deceiver is actively trying to impact us and stop us from bringing glory to God, 
that there is a deceiver at work seeking in any way to cripple the work of the church, that there is a deceiver at work seeking to diminish the flourishing of God's creation. If you don't realize that deceiver is at work, then we won't be aware of his schemes to fraud us, to trick us, or to diminish the work of the Spirit in and through us. And in another writing to the church in Ephesians, Paul says, our battle is not against flesh and blood. Our battle is against the spiritual powers of evil in the heavenly places, the principalities and powers. And as the church, we must realize that the deceiver is always at work, just as he was in uh, Thessalonica, so he is at work now, seeking in every way to diminish the work of God's people and the glory of God. And what, what we'll see, he'll, he'll do that in ways um, as well, of just trying to, as we see in the passage where it talks about he, he goes into the temple uh, he, and he, he takes the place of God. You know, he's called the, the, the son of delusion, the son of the man of lawlessness. In other places, he's called the Antichrist. Seeks to take the place of Jesus. And in, uh, for the, the church in Thessalonica, uh, they would understand the temple as a real building. For us, we understand the temple as the people of God. We are the place where God resides and the deceiver, or as Paul calls him here, Satan, uh, the evil one, is at work trying to deceive us, to make us place our primary allegiance in anything but Jesus. He'll, he'll do it with money. He'll do it with success. He'll, he'll do it. Uh, and in this season, we'll see it all the more in politics. He, he will try to divide the church around political platforms. He'll try to deceive followers of Jesus to make political platforms more important than the platform of the kingdom of God. He'll, he'll be at work in you seeking to draw your attention away from of following Jesus in all of your life. And he'll be at work in us to divide us from making Jesus our Lord. The primary, the one who is, sits on the throne in our lives. Uh, particularly as a church, uh, as us, as we seek to be a growing, diverse community of Jesus followers. We, we got folks across the board from... Uh, uh, the political spectrum who are united in Jesus. And we've got to be aware that a deceiver will work to cause division in all kinds of ways. My, my question uh, for you as we come into an election season in these next six months, how would you respond if Jesus showed up before you and told you you're backing the wrong candidate you need to vote for the other person how would you respond if jesus did that how would what what kind of reaction would be your gut reaction to him if jesus said that to you that's the question we need to ask to be sure our allegiance is to jesus 
and to the platform of the kingdom of God and not to a candidate and the platform of a particular political party. The final place that the evil one will work to deceive us makes it easier for us to be deceived by the evil one is when we don't know the truth. When we don't know the the reality, the purity, and the the character of God. Um, Just this week, I I went down to Schwartz Jewelers and asked Marty Schwartz, who's also a neighbor but who owns Schwartz Jewelers, and asked him, how do you go about um, figuring out if a, a stone is the real thing or if it's a fake, if it's a fraud. How, how do you do that? And he gave me a few examples. Well, there's you take measurements and you can weigh it, and there's a certain uh, proportion of size to, to weight that you know is a real diamond or a real jewel. That uh, also he's got a few little testers that can help uh, reacts differently in different settings. And asked, well, what what for you has uh, really worked? Well, for one, he said, just experience. I've seen a lot of the real thing. And so now I can pretty much take a stone, look on, put it under the microscope. I've seen so many of the real things. I can see pretty quickly if it's real or not. Since I know what's real, I know what is true, I can quickly discard that which is false. And then I said, well, what's, what's one of the telltale signs in your experience? What has made you be able to see that? And he goes, well, if I look at a stone and I see no flaws in it. Now, I was expecting him to say that if he saw no flaws, then he knew he had the real thing. But he said just the opposite. When I look at a stone and it has no flaws in it, that's when it really puts up a red flag. Because everything has a flaw in it. The, the one who's trying to fake it will make it look perfect when it really isn't. And that's what we see um, in the passage here. Paul tells the, uh, Thessalonian, the, the Thessalonians, as he tells us, listen, the deceiver's going to come, as he says in uh, verse 9, with all power, with false signs and wonders. The deceiver's going to come. He may come in a letter from me, Paul says in verse 2. He may come in a way, in a word, in a spiritual experience. All of those things, you've got to test to the truth of the one who is the jewel, and that's Jesus, the one who says, I am the way, I am the, I am the truth, I am the life. We've got to know Jesus and his character. We've got to know Jesus and what he teaches us. We've got to know what he tells us to do and follow him. That must be our focus. For if we know what is true, then even the devil himself, who the scriptures tell us is a wolf in sheep's clothing, will not compare to the reality of Jesus. 
We've got to, to love Jesus like I loved one of my first girlfriends who I can share this story because she eventually became my wife. But as you know, third grade, we met. Some of you know that. It wasn't love at first sight in third grade. But in eighth grade, we started to go out. And I was enamored uh, with her. So everything I did was in relationship to what clothes did she like. You know, what were her favorite colors? That's what I would wear. This was the the summer of 78, so between 8th and ninth grade. So Greece. Remember Greece, John Travolta, Olivia Newton-John? That was the movie. And she loved the movie. And so I, you know, got what they're called in a record, you know, and it was big. You put it on a record player and it played music, a lot like MP3 things do now. Um, But... And I listened to every song and I memorized those words to those songs. Summer loving had me a blast. And I memorized them all because I, she was my love in eighth grade, as much as that can be. But that's really what our love for Jesus is to be. That that we're to to give everything in our lives under His Lordship, for His glory, for for, for the beauty of His creation. And as we give all that we are to Him, as we focus our attention to Him, then we will know, like a seasoned jeweler, we will know what is pure, what is good, what is of God. And that which is false will be easy to set aside. Now, I'll give you a, a little bit of fore, um, uh, knowledge here of what we're going to do in July and August. For a few months, we're going to be in the Gospel of Matthew. We're going to focus particularly on Jesus, uh, on the, some of the essential things that he taught in the last week of his life. So that's Matthew 21 through 26. But I encourage you now just to start reading the book of Matthew. Read two chapters a day. And for the next two weeks, you'll be finished with the, the book by the end of the month. And then as we get into July, we'll jump into that teaching. But be sp- spend your time now focusing on Jesus. For if you know the truth, then it will set you free from the power of the one who wants to deceive us. So be alert, be awake, be aware in this uncertain time, in the controversies of these days, the challenges of these days, and as we head into an election season, that a deceiver will be at work. Know that when you're confused or when you're alarmed, you're more prone to the work of the deceiver. Know that you, um, that, that there is a deceiver who is actively at work in our lives seeking to divide and destroy and to, to distract from the beauty of God and the love of Jesus in us individually and in us as a people. And spend time, energy, being sure all that you are all that you say, in all of your relationships, in all that you do, in all that you post, what you're looking for, 
What you're seeking to do is glorify and honor Jesus and, and receive his thumbs up over anyone else. And as you know him, then you'll see the work of the deceiver more clearly. And imagine what would happen. Imagine what that would look like if our, in our conversations, in our relationships, in the actions of our every day. We were so in love with Jesus. We knew him so well that his character would, in the power of the Spirit would flow through what we're doing, what we're saying, how, not just what we're saying, but how we're saying it. Not just what we're doing, but how we're doing it. Imagine the pleasure to our Heavenly Father and imagine the impact on the world that is around us. We'd be so focused on knowing and loving and following Jesus that the deceiver would have no entry point into our lives and all of his schemes would fall away harmless. Amen.